0: Assalamu alayka zainalam biya ayy as-salamu wa salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala <inaudible> alihi wa sahbihi wa man ala Alhamdulillah indeed these are gatherings that we in them turn our hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to direct them towards him and these are some of the very best moments of our life are the moments that we spend directing our hearts to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are so many different ways that we refer to this in the Arabic language. There's so many different ways this is expressed in the Qur'an and in the blessed sayings of our Prophet sallallahu The reality of it is though, is that your internal face, we all have an outer face and then we have an internal face. And it's to direct it to the one who originated the heavens and the earth. In one spool of thought, this is the way prayer begins. Immediately after the Allahu Akbar and that a recognition is that he is greater than everything and he is the greatest subhanahu wa ta'ala in some invocations. then it is said, wajhiya fatara I have directed my waj which is your face to the one who has originated the heavens and the earth. And outwardly that we, our physical face, faces the Kaaba. That is the house of Allah that exists in Mecca and Mukarramah, which we know as the Um Umm Al-Qura. It is the embryonic city. It is the mother, if you will, of all cities. It is a city that was honored because in it, Our Blessed Prophet ﷺ was born. And these verses that are just above the mihrab here, the pernish, is that these verses indicate that the context behind which the qibla, that is the prayer direction, was changed because at first is that Muslims face Jerusalem. And there actually is a mosque in Medina Munawwa that is called Masjid al-Qiblatayn. And it is literally the mosque of the two prayer directions. Because it was in this mosque that the prayer direction was changed. And the Prophet ﷺ turned and went in front of the companions who were praying behind him in the middle of the prayer. And then that after that, that it reached the other masjid, and they talk about... The first prayer that was prayed towards Mecca in the Mosque of the Prophet was this prayer. And then the next prayer that was prayed in Masjid al was, I believe, the next morning and so forth and so on. But these verses say that, Indeed, is that we will turn you towards a Qibla, a prayer direction that you are content with. And this verse is important because it mentions the Qibla which is the prayer direction, and thus it's in the prayer direction. But it also indicates something, is that we want to be here present in this particular space, which is understanding the importance of orienting ourselves through the Qibla via our Prophet who taught us everything that we need to know inwardly and outwardly about the prayer and the importance of the prayer among the conditions which are to face the blessed Qibla. And if you look at the wording of the Qur'an, it is amazing. قِبْلَةً Allah Ta'ala could have just said, is that indeed that we are commanding you to face the Qibla here in this, in this, in this context in Mecca. But Allah Ta'ala that phrased this verse in that particular way. A Qibla that you are content with. And the blessed wife of the Prophet who was just mentioned, Sayyida Aisha, is that she was amazed. Whenever she realized that the Prophet desired something, very quickly she realized that the Prophet received it. And it, this led her to say that this is amazing, O Messenger of Allah. إِنَّ Rabbaka la It is if your Lord is hastening to make you happy, to make you pleased. And it's not that the will of God follows the will of the Prophet. The will of the Prophet, of course, only follows the will of God. But what it does mean is Is that this is a way of understanding That how beloved the Prophet was to our Lord Subhanahu wa ta'ala And that alhamdulillah That this is something that we need to remind ourselves Of the importance of directing Not only our physical face though Towards the Kaaba But also the word waj in Arabic Indicates your internal essence And so when you direct your internal essence Of who you are we have a number of terms, again, that describe what that internal essence is, just as we have the terms that describe exactly how we do that. But the common thread in all of them is that it relates to the direction of who you are in reality internally. Were you to remove your eyes, you are still who you are. Is it, Were you to shave off your hair, you are who you are. If you love someone because of their hair, and then they shave it off and you don't love them anymore, you've loved them for something worldly. If you cut someone's arms off, God forbid, and that all of a sudden you cease to love that person, there's something about that person that is limiting your love to them as something worldly. Who we truly are in reality is that if you strip all of these social distinctions from the color of our skin to that our place in society and everything else and even physical traits that we have on our body, if you can still legitimately say that you love someone with all of that missing, then you can really say that you love them for the sake of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala Because the internal beauty is That so much greater than any possible external beauty that That actually you can't even truly make a comparison But the vast majority of people are completely enthralled With an external beauty alone And yes the Prophet was the most handsome And the most beautiful human being to walk on the face of this earth We believe this But if you compare that physical beauty to the internal beauty that our Prophet possess wasallam is that it pales in comparison to it. And so directing our wuj, our essence towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the poems that we recited after the standing is a poem that we recite on a weekly basis. And the gathering it takes place on Tuesday mornings. And it's a poem of Imam Abdullah bin Ali al-Haddad. Actually both of the poems that we recited, that that's really what they're about. And if you listen to the lahan, that is the melody that they are recited in, this is what it really is about ultimately, is it's teaching us to direct our hearts towards Allah. And that's the whole purpose of that reciting it with a beautiful melody, is that it assists you in that process of directing your heart towards Allah, Jalal جل And this is the elixir of all elixirs. Is that if you that point people towards their connection to Allah, And directing their heart towards Allah This is the very greatest gift that you can possibly give someone All tribulations, all problems, all things that we're facing All difficulties, anything that we want to achieve Anything we want to be warded off from us Or anything that we want to obtain The secret of all of that lies In turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And so the refrain of what we recite is Ya Allah ya Rabbah Again you're calling upon Allah Oh Allah O oh Lord, Ya Muntahal Amal, Allahu Akbar, your Amal are your hopes. O oh, end of my hopes, the utmost of what I am hoping for. Bil Mustafa Wal Al, we ask you by the right of the chosen one, the Prophet Muhammad, and his family, Sahirlan al Asbab, that subjugate for us the means. What does that mean? That is the plural of the word sabab, and that relates to everything that we need to do outwardly to live in this world. Is that there's means. We have to have a livelihood. We have to have an income. We need food. We need shelter. We need clothing. That we have to exist among other people. Is that we have things that need to be taken care of. Everything that's needed for our life to run and for us to get through it, all of that is the asbab. And it's amazing here is that why is he mentioning that at the very end of the course after turning to Allah? Because one of the greatest ways, the greatest way people are veiled from Allah is the asbab. It's everything that happens here by way of the means, quote-unquote, in this world. And so if you're asking Allah to add for تَسْخِيرُ, سَخَّرَ Is to subjugate. It's to put something at your disposal. So instead of us following the means and running behind them and being enslaved by the world in all of its different manifestations, what we're asking Allah is, is that make at our disposal all of these means. Not in the sense that you completely leave them, is that but while you are among those means and in them, in that sense, is that you're detached from them. They don't lead you to that get too stressed out. They don't lead you to that do something that you shouldn't be doing. They don't lead you to that cross over that the Rubicon into that area where it's getting very questionable. Sahirlan al Asbab. And then it's repeated al Amal, O utmost of our hopes. Wa Mak Tulab. Oh you who are sought. You are the ones sought for the ones who seeking. Abdak Darif al Hal your servant who has a weak state al-khaif al-murtab is that we're fearful because of our state and sometimes we're confused Ya of so this is the first step is to admit is that we realize that we are weak we fall short we realize we're confused we don't know what to do at times and we we oftentimes fear the unknown and then it's further emphasized attaqa khalil bal is that we have come to you empty at heart. We don't even know what to do. Anjumla till ahbab. And that we are among that those that are hoping to be beloved to you. Daqat ahwal. Our circumstances have become very difficult for us. Daqat is to be narrow, that we feel like in this metaphorical sense, like we're just being squeezed by the circumstances that we're in. al Asbab is that the means that we are experiencing have, in a sense, deceived us and that has been treacherous towards us. We don't know what to do from this intense state of perplexity that our life has been spent just going back and forth. We've wasted so much of our time serving that our physical form. But now my heart is turning back to you and remaining steadfast at your door. So direct my internal concern and desire from service of the physical body that to doing what I need to do outwardly from righteousness and avoiding all different types of sin. Make this easy for me, O you who are the one I am desiring, O you who are constant in your grace, O benevolent, O that ever-merciful. It's an amazing poem that indicates to us exactly how it is that we do this. And this is something that the true people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are excellent at. They know exactly what to say and how to direct their hearts towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Looking at some of the next etiquettes of futuwa, of spiritual chivalry. Some of them appear to be a little bit mundane. But in reality, if you think about the details of them, they're extremely beautiful. Imam al-Sulimi radiallahu anhu, that he says, al استعمال الأدب وقت الأكل It is from futuwa. In other words, it is from spiritual chivalry to what? To be careful of your manners while you are eating. When you are eating. And he quotes a narration that indicates an example of these manners. لا أحدكم بصره do Don't let any one of you let his eyes look at the bite that his brother is about to take. Look at this beautiful etiquette. Now, given people in the pre-modern world tended to eat together, they didn't always have their own plates and so forth and so on, as that many people still do in the traditional world. When you put out a large plate, there could be five to seven to eight people that all eating from one plate. But even if people have their own plates Sometimes that we see someone before us in a line choose that juicy piece of meat. It's the part of the animal that we like to eat and then <clears throat> we didn't get that. He's saying this is from Futua. It is part of being spiritually chivalrous is that you're above that. You're not noticing what someone else is eating. You're not wishing that you had right the shoulder or whatever it is that you like. You're not wishing that you had the dark meat when that you're stuck with the white meat or whatever else. Is that you're far above us? You don't even notice these things. And he mentioned this etiquette in particular, but then that broadly speaking as well, it is very important to have manners in eating. And if you listed the number of sunnas of our Prophet ﷺ that pertain to eating, oh my goodness, that there's scores of them, scores. That what before you eat, while you're eating, and after you eat when you're eating with other people, when you're hosting other people. And if you look at Hujjat al-Islam al-Ghazadi's work, this is one of the most comprehensive works, and alhamdulillah, it is translated into English. And it's actually one of the 40 books of the Ahliya where he details so many different etiquettes that pertain to eating. And many of us might be able to mention four or five, but there's actually quite a few. That again, before, during, and after. And this is something that is very important because is that this is one of the great things that makes us human, is that we eat. But there's a particular way that we eat and we are differentiated that from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation by how we eat and the etiquettes that go along with it. And then he also, in talking about some of the etiquettes that we have with other people, that he says, وَمِنِ الْفُتُوَّتِي أَلْمُدَارَاتُ مَعَ ikhwani ma Malem Tokun مَعْصِيَةِ it is from Futuwa, to be lenient. This is one way to translate Al-Mudara. To be lenient with your friends in matters that are not clearly sinful. Okay, in other words, if someone is, has fallen into sin and has done something wrong, you cannot support anyone, even your very best friend, if they've done something wrong. That's tribalism. We are taught to love solely for the sake of Allah. It doesn't mean that you necessarily abandon that person, But you cannot support anyone if something that they're doing is wrong. And you have to draw the line at that particular point. Other than those clear, agreed upon matters, which in reality are not that many. We recognize that people do fall short and there's a way that we go about helping them in that particular situation. Outside of that, is that we're supposed to be lenient. And this word Muldara is one of the very important words of the Arabic language. And that some of the commentators upon this hadith is that they say al mudara is al mulayana, which is why it's translated here as leniency, it's to be lenient. It can also that justifiably be translated as tact and being tactfulness or tact, which is a miracle like trait. Because when you deal with people with tact, you'll be so surprised how you could diffuse so many different situations. By an expression, by smiling, by just not responding in the way that they're trying to make you respond. And an example of this, I remember one of my mother, my mother may Allah preserve her, is that she used to always say that when people are rude to you, like clerks and when you're out in public and employees, workers, and she said, kill them with kindness. And I don't ever really ever remember when you put that into practice, it actually not working is that there's a lot of grumpy people out there that are grumpy for sometimes justifiable reasons. They're just, they've had a bad day. They're going through a very difficult time in their life, and they're just grumpy. It actually really does work. You just don't say anything, and you're just nice. They're used to people getting rude right back and getting smart right back and complaining about their customer service and so forth and so on. But if you look beyond that particular moment and you have empathy... Maybe they really are hurting. And then you can bring out another side of them. And it really does work. You're just nice, and you're just nice, and you're nice. And you're very likely to get a smile by the end. This is just one example, and there's many. There is a very blessed hadith of our Prophet that says, Akli, Imani al mudara Nas." Is that the pinnacle of intellect, of true rational thinking, after belief in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is to deal with people tactfully, to have tact when you deal with people. Ratsul Akal, Our Prophet is saying, is that in other words, is that the first and most primary function of the intellect is to help you be a believer and to understand that this world has a creator and to believe in that creator and then to come to... A belief about traits that this Creator has, subhanahu wa ta'ala. After that, the very greatest thing that the intellect can guide you towards is teaching you how to deal with people, having mudara, dealing with people tactfully. And many of us, because of the weakness of our intellect, oftentimes, is that we let our lower self get the best of us in relation to our dealings with people. And so, again, there are a number of manifestations of this. But Imam al-Munawi mentions some very beautiful examples in closing. Is that he says here, is that dealing with people tactfully and that dealing with people leniency with leniency. And again, those are translations. The word is actually mudara. And it actually encompasses more than what we normally think of when we think of tact or leniency. Because he mentions the following. It even includes that not finding fault in any food. It includes... That not scolding someone who's doing something for you, which includes like a child or someone that you asked to do something that didn't do it. That it includes that not having unrealistic expectations for people's nature to change. That is amazing. Not having unrealistic expectations for people's nature to change. al unless what could that normally that be learned through a process of that teaching and instruction. And so there definitely are things that people can, can, can learn. There's ways that they can change, but you can't expect them to change overnight. And this is why that there is a proverb that states, It tassa'at daru man yudari. Waddaqat daru man Is that the dar, which is at your home, the place you're living, your abode, your stomping grounds, if you will, is that it will feel vast if that you are a person who knows how to deal with people tactfully, gently, and with leniency. But if you don't have the ability to deal with people tactfully and you always find yourself finding fault with people and arguing with them and all these types of things, is that you could live in a very that vast area, but it feels like very constricted on you. It will feel constricted the place you're living if you find yourself always in a state of argumentation. These are that beautiful traits. And again, chivalry is not something that is easy. It is something that, is that we have to roll up our sleeves and strive towards. And it is, in a sense, a type of code. It is that a set of principles. It is a way of being. It is something that the prophets who came before us that exemplified in all uh, all aspects of their interactions at every level, all of their dealings, that inwardly and outwardly with people and between them and their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why we want to remind ourselves of this week, week on a week by week basis so that we can learn the details of this great way of being and bring it into our own lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq, bless us in all of our different affairs. May Allah ta'ala make... Every difficult circumstance for us easy And may Allah Ta'ala bless our spiritual aspiration To be uh, the desire to draw near to Him May all of our affairs be taken care of That inwardly and outwardly And we ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala That our dear brother Tariq by May Allah Ta'ala bless him